How's it going? I am I am in an absolutely foul mood because my phone's broken. Oh shit. How did it break? I I dropped it while I was in theater the other week and it's been fine and now it's bricked. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Um unlucky to say the least. But uh what are you gonna do? How how are you, dog? Uh, I'm all right, you know. Um, <laughs> just just ticking what? on, swinging on by. Watching the the little head <laughs> talk gives me far more pleasure than it should a grown man. <laughs> you know, the listeners have absolutely no idea what you've just mentioned there. <laughs> So I think we're just going to leave... We're not going to provide them context for what he means. Oh, fuck you, you piece of shit. Oh, my God. He's bringing the fire this week. So, sorry, my... Like, my phone's screen is completely, like, dead. Right. But it still works. Okay. Because Hannah called me earlier, and I just decided to try and answer it, and it worked. But, like, it, it's telling me I have notifications. I can't see... Oh, oh I wish sad. I was the kind of person that this wouldn't affect much. Like it'd be nice if I was the kind of guy who's like, "Hey, I don't need, I don't need a phone. I, I don't need tethers to the material world. I don't need the commercial goodness of yeah. having all of the information in the world in my back pocket. I want to go into a swamp and be a swamp boy. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it does. Not swamp boy. I live like that. Fucking swamp boy. Uh, mm. What is? <clears throat> can do you have like a timestamp for your recording? What do you mean? Like for what point you are at in your recording? Uh, two minutes thirty seconds. Because I might try and sort of edit, note take. While we do it, okay, all right. Um, I don't know how so, you're gonna manage. Ooh, wait a minute. I'm, how, oh, I'm a fucking. How are you gonna go. manage this personally? Is sweet, sweet brain, sweet brain. Some people, you know, a lot of people these days only really care about. Um, rippling biceps but I only value my rippling brain set right by that I mean I could crush a watermelon between my frontal lobe and my cut <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know sometimes Sam I just like I, 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 I do I do slightly wonder for your sanity <laughs> You're sat here now providing us with the ramblings of a Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally got this fucker working again. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So, yeah, and we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. Oh, and I'm Tom. Alright, fine, I can, I, all right, fine I can I can hear it. 
<laughs> so it's in the recording, but also halfway through, you, we're just going to get you saying, is there meant to be a soundbite there? <laughs> what about now? Jesus Christ! Nothing? Nope. Alright. Um, it's not quite gone to plan. As if the listeners can't hear it. No, like, as in uh, as in you I can't hear it. You can't no hear it, but I can hear it, but there's gonna be no point. I am the nexus of this podcast and all of its information must pass through me. Okay. I mean sure if you if you really if you <laughs> if that's <laughs> if that's how we're gonna handle it then um... I mean I like to I like to think of myself of the kind of Scooby Doo's Fred to this group. <laughs> Hi, Max. Hey, guys. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not too shabby. How are you doing? How are you doing? I uh, could be doing worse. I can tell you that much. Yeah, that's alright. <laughs> I've take... been on a podcast for ages. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. What <laughs> the fuck have both of you been doing? Where, where, been... where have we all been? Um, I'm playing Carnage at work, but I'm hoping that the, like tomorrow will be the last day where it's really mental. <laughs> I should have got some kind of seasonal job where it's only busy like sometimes. And Mall Santa. Yeah. Like. Mall East Bunny. You think you're always stressing from fucking January 1st to November 16th? No. Well, it depends. They might send you on like a a reconnaissance mission to. Hang on, I'm just realizing now. Oh. That in the southern hemisphere, the the months actually stay the same, although the seasons change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just get Christmas in a, in in the summer think... in Australia. Did you think? They're that... not working on a six like month mirror. Did you think that it was like it was June for us and January for Australia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I did think that actually. <laughs> it's one of my most earnestly held beliefs. So <laughs> respect me. Uh, lousy smart Easter. You accidentally go across the equator and jump forward six months. <laughs> well, you know? like, there's time that if you said to someone, "Oh, you think you cross a line and the time goes back by an hour." You know, in a vacuum, that sounds pretty nuts, but it's it's true, it's real. There's, I, I some, there's one part in the world where uh, if you go, like, 50 miles east, you jump forward a day and a half. Wait, yeah, the yeah, international yeah. dateline. Yeah. Exactly. So why can't it be that they don't... <laughs> I mean, they don't have the international six-month line being the what, middle of the Earth. What's more perverse to you, the international six-month line or Australians barbecuing in shorts and t-shirts on Christmas Day. Um, but Australians this... barbecuing in shorts and t-shirts on Christmas Day is how I wish I could spend my Christmas Day. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, you've not... Australia, then, you bastard. Perverse isn't the word that you were looking for here. Killer I could, is the word that you were looking taking, for. Like, I could be getting oh, a fucking ripper and taking shots of tequila out of the head of a prawn. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's a, that's a small... That's a small shot. Well, I guess it depends, <laughs> depends on the size of the prawn. Yeah. Before we before we diverged onto Australians, we were getting dangerously close to confirming the Superman theory that if you fly around the world, time goes backwards. 
Well, we haven't. I haven't personally tested that theory, so to my mind, everything is still up for grabs. Oh, fucking Christopher Reeve almost blew it wide open, and then the deep state fucking blew it wide open. Almost blew open international dateline theory. Christopher Reeves is known for blowing a lot of things open. Talking of blowing things open, <laughs> you guys, you guys want to blow open this crate of beautiful NFL bounty ah, that was week twelve. I can't wait. You know, let's start in Australian April and go to Thanksgiving, <laughs> where we got three bowls of delightful prawn soup to feast our beautiful eyes over. We no. had a real Macy's parade of games. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do wish Charlie you a happy Brown Christmas. And it scared me. Is this, first... is this our analysis of Lions Bears? Just talking about the Macy Day Parade. Yeah, the the Lions Bears game was like if they had like the, you know, they like uh, cartoons when they send over the big parade blimp full of like poison gas. Oh yeah, the Nova, the Nova blimp. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that the Lions lost DeAndre Swift quite early on in the game is like, okay, now there's just no reason to be watching this whatsoever. And then they lost TJ Hawkinson not long after that either, and it was just, wow, we're down to practice squads, guys. Yeah, I mean, the Bears lost Roquan Smith as well, and it was just. There's nothing, nothing. This was like the World War One of games. <laughs> like very little actual, like progress on either side. No, this was the Hundred Years War. Because that one was even more of a of a slog, where not much happened. We, At least people like did a bit in World that, War One. That would describe a level of cultural significance to this Lions Bears game that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I just remember, all, all anyone's going to remember of this game is the the Bears are down fourteen thirteen. They're driving down the field at the end of the at the end of the game, and the Lions are just they don't have a clue what's going on. And Dan Campbell tries to call two timeouts consecutively. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, is you, you can they if you try and call a timeout when you can't, they'll. They'll give you a timeout, and it costs you a five-yard penalty. So it's presumably, so presumably, there's places where that rule can be like exploited. So say you're defending a hail mary on, you know, fourth and fifteen or whatever, and you've only got ten men on the field. You can just call the timeout you don't have because <laughs> they're still going to go for the hail mary. But oh my god, Max has broken football. I mean, Bill Belichick is going to Christopher Reeves this shit. Out. <laughs> don't accuse me of that please. Uh, yeah the the Bears banged through the winning field goal and we all just moved on uh, yeah pretty much um, that's that's all that I have to say about it the Lions fold at 0-10-1 losing 14-16 yeah. against the 4-7 and seven Bears who climb off of 15th in the NFC because there's somehow teams worse than them in the NFC. Let's move on somehow, to a game that actually had a lot of excitement going on. We go to Las Vegas where the... Ra- uh, wait, no, we go to Dallas where the Dallas Cowboys lose 33-36 to 
fall to seven and four on the year, and they're just sneakily letting the NFC back in, uh, NFC East back into it, while the six and five Raiders stick <laughs> around in these playoffs. Thirty-six to thirty-three. This game, I will say one thing, brightened up my Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was a nice um, palate cleanser after the dodge of the first game. Yeah, the first game was like eating slightly off lukewarm room temperature pate. Yeah, this and that's the appetizer. But this one, oh, that was that was there was cranberry sauce leaking out my eyeballs after this one. You should see a doctor <laughs> immediately. <laughs> um, uh, and talking of seeing the doctor, no, I've got nothing on the back of that. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a this game went to overtime, right? Um, they did. It was it was a a real barn burner, and I thought um, both quarterbacks played at a really high level in this game. I think. <clears throat> The Cowboys were down late in the fourth quarter, and Dak Prescott was driving them back into it, and he was just making some incredible throws. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. Uh, to be honest, the the performance was just about what I expected out of both of these teams, where it seemed like very little defense was prepared to be played. Um, Neither team can really run the ball. Yeah. Which was weird, really, when you think about like the fact that one side had Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and the other side had Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. Like, there's four pretty good running backs. One of them is like always taken in the first round in fantasy every year for some reason. I mean, Zeke is that's a conversation for a different day, but I don't think he's anything remotely close to elite at this point. No, and and, and Josh Jacobs, I will say, the Raiders like they're deconstructed offensive line that they had coming off the summer hasn't really helped but um yeah then both this was a really important game for both teams because they were both i think on i think the raiders were 0 and 3 and the cowboys were 1 and 2 coming into it in their last three games yeah so for the raiders to get back on track with a big win like this especially given the last two years they had where this is the exact time where they just go in the tank entirely it was a huge win for them, and Hunter Renfro had a massive game. They're going to need him to step up down the stretch. I mean, the Cowboys were without C.D. Lamb and, and Amari Cooper, which, you know, that might make a difference. That might have turned it a tie at the end of regulation to a win, but, you know, I would have thought the Cowboys going into this would have would have expected to win. So they have a lot of questions to ask now. Yeah, I agree, and uh, the question that I'd sort of have is um, where the hell did this sort of simplified but but effective Dan uh, Dan Quinn defense go? Because uh, oh boy, it's not looking... the Ra- the Raiders had the recipe, didn't they? Yeah, they had the Thanksgiving recipe, <laughs> and uh, I think what we've seen this year in the NFL is. It's 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 such a matchup based league week to week, right? And sometimes, like like units like defenses or offenses you thought were pretty good, will just they'll just get puzzled by the other side. And uh, yeah, the Raiders really came out far in. And I think Deshaun Jackson's been quite a useful pickup for them because he does give them a bit of an element when he's on the field. Does this concern you with the Cowboys at all? Hmm. This little spate of, I mean, obviously they managed to like 
I mean, Atlanta. Before before this, when obviously they lost to the Chiefs, they lost the Raiders, and they lost to the uh, Broncos, so they uh, got slapped around by the AFC West. They were considered probably right in the mix as NFC favorites, right? But especially the way that the offense played in those Denver and Kansas City games, to me, yeah, they are they are dropping away. And I think it's we can talk about this a bit later, but I think it's becoming clear that maybe there's only two real heavyweight favorites in the NFC at the moment. Alright. Um, I'm happy uh, to leave that one for until later on. There's there's plenty more to wrap through. And then yeah, why not? finally we finish out Thursday with a thirty one to six drumming from the Buffalo Bills who climbed back to seven and four and they needed a get right game after a very shaky patch of their own against this Trevor Simeon led New York uh, New Orleans uh. Saints. They're gonna get Taysom Hill back. <laughs> And I don't trust he's, that it will change anything. Yeah. He's slated to start. He is. QB1, by the way. Yeah. Like, this might have genuinely been the last time you see Trevor Simeon in the NFL, uh, which no one would begrudge that being the case, I don't think. Um, <laughs> because you know how early in the season Jalen Hurts would have like 3.1 fantasy points in the end of the third quarter and finish with 32? Yes. That, that's kind of what Trevor Simeon's been doing in real life. He waits till it's deep garbage time. Yeah, and then they managed to put together a couple of scoring drives. I mean, to be fair to Trev, I mean the Saints are working with a heavily damaged offensive line. They didn't have Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara in this game, and their receiving talent is pretty shocking, to be honest with you. Mm. So, to me, I'm not really surprised by this outcome. Like the Bills still have question marks, but this will this will make them feel better. The Bills have been able to slap bad teams pretty severely this year. Yeah. I, I feel well, a little better about Josh Allen after this game. Because there was one interception that was a bit dicey. Well, the other one he got kind of hit while he threw. And bar, bar that, it was a it was a fairly accurate game for him. Uh, I feel I feel better about him leading them the AFC title. You know, I kind of agree with you, but in the same way that, like, uh, after week three, I was championing that I'd finally gotten a take on Sam Darnold, right? And then uh, Ed ate his words, and then we ended up seeing exactly (laughs) just who Sam Darnold is. Like, just because he was playing bad teams, it doesn't make him a good quarterback. I'm kind of, like, I've come down a little bit on Josh Allen over the course of the last few games because all my days has he been putting in some poor performances. I mean, yeah, how can he um, not? And this Saints team is, like, they're not, they're just not good. They're not a good team. They've got a good coach, but they don't have the talent there. I mean, little Jordan Humphrey was the guy that was getting <laughs> meaningful receptions. For the Saints. I mean, I Nick, Van, Nick well. Van Nett had a catch. Like the Saints are not a are not a healthy team right now, it and therefore they're not a they, good team. Yeah, it certainly doesn't surprise me that they couldn't really put up many points. But I think the you know the the defense has been fairly solid this year. I think 
I think you guys are just being wet blankets over the the blazing fire that is Josh Allen. I don't know whether or not I'd say that any. I this is the thing that I sort of we've not mentioned on the podcast yet, but like I asked the question in a group chat earlier on this year: who is the MVP front runner this year? There's like two definitive stars that have played healthy and well. <laughs> it changes every week. It does. Yeah, and I think like idea. Jonathan Taylor is probably now like maybe my favorite guy. Let's see what happens, Let's see what happens when Kyler Murray comes back, but he did miss four weeks. And that's what I mean. Like you either all of the good players are either missing time or they're having real inconsistent weeks. Like Kyler Murray's missing time. Josh Allen's looked like crap for a few weeks this year. Yeah. Given given him the MVP, even you know, I know there's plenty of time to go, but at this point, it would be unconscionable. I don't think anybody wants to hear this, but <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers plays every game <laughs> down the stretch like he did the last two the last two weeks, then I think he'd make a strong case, but I I think the NFL needs to arrange like a uh, Nancy Kerrigan in order for that to not happen. <laughs> Quite possibly. The good of American sports media. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, for the good of our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the NFC currently uh, playoff ranked wise. Um, also joining the AFC in terms of having just a bunch of five-win teams that are all still potentially in with a shout, including the seventh-seed Washington football team. Um, Saints have a chance of the playoffs this year, anyone? No. Yes, because <laughs> it's because it's, it's just like that. Like The Falcons Wow, are... actually. The Falcons oh, like, are level with the Washington football team. They're right out now. on a tie on a tiebreaker, oh. right? So if the Falcons can get in, yeah, the mm. same absolutely get None in. None of this feels good. Yeah, I don't feel good about any of it. Like it I would want I think everyone so quickly to recap it, the ideal NSC playoffs would be the Packers, the Cardinals, probably the Cowboys, I guess. Um, the obviously Bucks. the Bucks, and then the Vikings, the 49ers, yeah. and the Rams. Anyone else who gets in does not deserve to be there. <laughs> Sorry. I Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that one entirely, but um, somehow there's still a hell of a lot of teams and a hell of a lot of possible outcomes. Um, strange. Um, yeah, we move on. Oh, go ahead. Well, just one final question. In fact, actually, I'll save it. I'll save it for the for the next game that I'm going to talk about because we're moving into that Sunday early window where uh, uh, did masses really happen in this Sunday early window? There was a bunch of blowouts, a bunch of low scoring, mildly boring games. But let's talk about one team who are on the up and up: the eight and four New England Patriots. 36 to 13 winners over the Tennessee Titans, who just two weeks ago were the AFC for number one seed. And now they're coming in with three healthy receivers and none of them are named AJ Brown or Julio Jones. Dontrell Hilliard ended up making the biggest play of the whole game for the Titans. But the 
current offensive rookie of the year front runner Mac Jones racking up a, a pretty impressive day, and the Patriots keep on rolling. Six wins on the bounds. Are they sneaky favourites for the AFC Championship game? They're the um, Fred Durst keep rolling team of the week right now. <laughs> that is, well, I think that's six, six in a row now. Um, six in a row. Yeah. But what I would say is, like, the Titans never stood a chance in this game. Their leading receiver was Nick Westbrook-Akina. He had two receptions for 25 yards. And, like, Ryan Tan- You know Ryan Tannehill finished with 93 passing yards? Yeah. So, like, we know Tannehill isn't transcendent of his surroundings. Like, he's just not that guy. You put a good team around him and he will be able to, you know, play at an above-average level, kind of like a, you know, Derek Carr-type character. Yeah. But without the three only weapons on the team. <laughs> um, they they would, yeah, they never set a chance in this game. Um, the Patriots, I think, their ground game is is what makes them a real threat down the stretch, as well as their, their defense has really stepped up. Um, but I, I have been impressed by Mac Jones. He hasn't, he's, he's done what they need him to do to keep, to keep this winning streak going. And he had another mm-hmm. impressive stat line couple of nice touchdowns to Kendrick Bourne um, and they've just got players who seem more explosive than the guys that they had there last year yeah I can't I can't really think of any like splash players that I've seen from Matt Jones but, but like, he's, had a, he's had a few nice deep passes yeah, he's think... had some nice throws but I can't really think of anything that I've seen from him where I've been like oh wow See, he's not going to run around back there like Kyler Murray, is he? Now, see, this is the thing that concerns me the most about... Um, because I, I, I for one, don't want to see the Patriots dynasty come back. Um, I got bored of it in the in the, in the noughties and 2010s. They it also conce- it concerns... Without Tom Brady, it concerns me that Mac Jones is looking this pro-ready, this, com- uh, this competent, this unspectacular but safe but efficient and it's almost like all of the offensive weapons um coming into the year that have got a little bit of a spark about them a signature streak about them like how jamar chase was absolutely blitzing the league for the first five weeks and now everyone's game planning to specifically stop him and his production's dropped off mac jones how do you how do you game plan for someone that does everything at a regular level, but incredibly efficiently? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> there's nothing that they can do right now. I mean, the one thing the NFL's missing an average Joe. But the thing is, is that, like quarterbacks that try and be overly spectacular end up getting like, you've seen it with the, the, Two high safeties look that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are struggling to face against this year and how their offensive production when teams have got two good safeties or like decent corners and and a defensive game plan, they can't deal with it. Mac Jones can deal with the, he can, he can play the short game. He can play the composed game. He can basically hand the ball off as many times as you want him to. And he can take a few deep shots throughout the game. He doesn't need to be spectacular. I don't think the Patriots want him to be spectacular. Because how do you game plan for that? Well, we're going to find out. Like, 
you say he doesn't need to be spectacular, right? So I, I'm looking at the Patriots schedule here. The last five or the last, yeah, six games since they lost to the Cowboys, they beat the Jets by 39. <laughs> no, 41. <laughs> they beat the Jets by 41. Yeah. They beat the Chargers <laughs> on the road by three. They beat the Panthers by 18. They beat the Browns by 38. The Falcons <laughs> by 25. And the Titans by 23. Um, but most of those teams, like the Falcons didn't have Cordero Patterson, are, are bum teams. Like, even though the Browns are probably the best team at, or the Chargers are the best team at that lot, we've seen them be susceptible to just getting smacked around this year. We're going to find out whether the, the Patriots will need Mac Jones to be spectacular this year because their next three games are at the Bills in prime time, at the Colts in prime time, and then home against the Bills in regular time. So that's going to be where they cut their teeth. Um, we are going to find out if they're a genuine like number one seed contender because if they... If they even go one and one against the Bills, I would say like for real, look out for the Patriots in the AFC. Yeah. And on the Titans side, to me, like they just need to get in and get Henry and Brown and maybe Julio Jones back and and see if they can, you know, upset the apple cart a bit there. But right now they are just like it's just like right now the Titans are in the stage of the season that's like that scene in Interstellar where she's just floating through space. Like, <laughs> You know, and um, maybe they can get back down to the sweet earth of the playoffs, but we'll see. The the do the Titans playoff hopes just mildly concern you with how efficiently the Colts have picked back up? I mean, in fact, actually, I'm going to scrap that question because I've looked at their schedule. They are home to Jags at Steelers, home to Forty Ti- uh, ers home to Dolphins at Texans. Yeah, but can I ask you? They're the going to get at least two wins Titans- out of that. The Titans oh, lost yeah. to the Jets and the Texans. You can't guarantee it. You can't guarantee it, but at the same time, like they're going to get at least two out of those five, surely. Ten, you know, I, if, ten and seven the gets you into the into the AFC playoffs this year by a country mile. You might even be the. You might even end up being a division winner in this one. The Colts the have Titans, got a lot of ground to make up. If the season was like one game longer, then maybe the Colts. But with Five games left, two games back, and the tiebreaker with the Titans sweeping them. Yeah, I'm not sure they can do it. Um, so I think the Titans that second win against the Colts was absolutely massive for them. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned with Tennessee, it's like I'll I'll see you in January when you were woken up from basically cryo sleep. Mm. I mean, the Colts do have. I mean, they have Houston and then a bye, which will be real nice. But then they've got the Patriots, Arizona. Las Vegas, and then Jacksonville. Yeah. But, well, do you want I to talk can't... about the Colts? Well, yeah, I was gonna. I was literally yeah, just about not? to pivot laterally to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, eight and three on the year, thirty-eight to thirty-one winners over the Indianapolis Colts, and this one came right down to the wire, courtesy of a long kick return from Isaiah Rogers that put the Colts back in range, but Leonard Fournette has hit playoff Lenny stride. Four touchdowns on the day, 100 yards rushing, 31 receiving, and uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers rolling on and looking strong in the uh, in the NFC. Whereas the Colts, funnily enough, just after I finally came down off of my ladder about the Colts being <laughs> at least playoff contenders, uh, have been looking real impressive. Couldn't pick up the win today, but... I mean, they looked impressive in this game, but 
they just got they got scared at the end of the game. They had like three, I think, three t- disastrous turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, Wentz had a fumble. He had a pick, which was an incredible play by Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. Um, I think they had. Did they have a muff on special teams? They did. And it just like got away from them. And I call him Lenny four net because he scored four net touchdowns. Oh. Um, and yeah, <sighs> this game was always going to come down to, to me, this game was always going to come down to who can run the ball effectively. And um, the, the Bucks' run defense is extremely stout. And there was inexplicably a period of this game that was like, it was like 23 plays in a row where they didn't give Jonathan Taylor the ball. Yeah, which seems insane. it seems criminal to be honest. Um, I think um, I was I was thinking about this because I was I've been watching I was thinking about watching some games this weekend because one trend that you see a lot in the NFL these days is Pete is coaches have more of a tendency to run on like second and long situations. Yeah, and I think what it comes down to is the same thing in this game where. Um, they're taking what the defense is giving them, and and the Bucks are saying like, just pass it. We're not scared of Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, to be fair to him, he was absolutely slanging it in that second quarter. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely improved, but then you got the ugly yeah, side yes. when the Colts were up. The second half, they just was... couldn't salt the game away. Um, you know they they'll they'll be pretty gutted about that one. I'd imagine because it was in the palm of their hands, and um, like that last drive where the Bucks went down the field to score, Brady only threw it a few times. I mean, it was the Leonard Fournette drive. So mm-hmm, if they've yeah. got a running back who can do stuff like that, then that's going to be a serious problem for the rest of the league. And I I was really thinking that we were going to get another Brady pick six and the game, um, <laughs> but they didn't even give him the opportunity. So. Probably the smart yeah. way, to be honest. Um, which feels weird, really. Like, taking the ball out of Tom Brady's hands in, like, a four-minute drill to end the game just feels ludicrous. And then you remember that, like, over the last couple of years, he's maybe not been quite at that level, which, I mean, you'd expect from a 44-year-old quarterback. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like, um, Chris Godwin didn't really do anything. This game was mostly, like, about Gronk, I think when the Bucks get Antonio Brown back, then you know maybe you will see them maybe lean on the pass a bit more. But Lenny Fournette is quite inconsistent, so they they will probably at some point before the end of the season need to rely on their passing attack. But they've got everything there. It would just come down to to Tom Brady, which is extremely funny to say whether he can do it or not. So <laughs> I guess you, you probably wouldn't bet against it, which at this point, uh, I mean, I wouldn't. But uh... <laughs> who can help but bet against this untested maverick? <laughs> <laughs> How will we ever know? All right, let's. Well, uh... I will say my final thought on this is that the Colts have the most unstoppable weapon in the league: the Carson Wentz underthrown deep ball PI offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone back to the, it's Joe Flacco all over again. I used to I used to lament watching Joe Flacco's Ravens specifically because it'd be checkdowns. And then the occasional 60-yard attempted throw, which would be underthrown, and they'd always give defensive pass interference. And yep. that's just what this is. Carson Wentz is, is the new Joe Flacco. Hey, yards is yards. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on because the rest of this early Sunday window just is not worth talking about. But there is a little <laughs> moment of joy for our lamentable host, Sam Longdon, as the boys in blue stay alive somehow in the <laughs> ANFC East. The police? <laughs> <laughs> the NYPD coming away with a 13-7 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. And... Uh, Feeling Man. arrested by Jalen Rager being dra- who th- who the fuck drafted this kid? Well, the problem is that Jalen Rager was playing in the handcuffs they put him in. <laughs> <laughs> it was like every time the last two plays Jalen Rager down the field, the first one down the sideline was a tough catch. The second one in the middle, he absolutely should have made. And it was like you watch it, and sometimes you can just like your brain will play a sound effect, and it was hitting his hands and just going like. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just making this sound. <laughs> just total wood hands. It was, it was yeah. This this reminded me of the like. I mean, I still don't feel you know. This is still going to be a nothing season. You know, we we gain nothing from this one. I mean, it's always nice to beat the Eagles, but hey, no, the Giants it, do gain something. They got out of Jason Garrett. <laughs> yeah, escape the clips. They finally got a game where Kenny Golladay was their leading receiver with fifty yards. <laughs> every every time he catches a pass, it just reminds me that he's there, and it makes me angry. Uh, I call him yeah. Kenny. Kenny, uh, go away! Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. zinger! More like Kenny got to pay him. $70 million. <laughs> no, the, Kenny Dollar Day. Oh, no! oh, oh! All right, two for two. I'll never, I'll never be more consistent yeah. than that ever. All Let's... these jokes more interesting than the Giants' offense. Shall we? I mean, how much really else was there apart from the Jalen Rager drops I mean... and? The, the 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 giants getting out of Jason yeah. Garrett and winning like very little the the Eagles should have won this game like that drive at the end they they should have put that away in you know you trust most other teams too I think Boston Scott but... had a really costly fumble as well he did um, yeah the Eagles definitely did enough to win this game and if they had done if they had won it they'd be uh, at six and six, and just one and a half games back in the division. If the Cowboys had lost, but this is a setback. But you know, maybe, maybe we're not giving the Giants' defense enough credit because they have been above average. This year. Xavier McKinney has been season. playing real well at the moment. Yeah, it reminds me of last season where we started off awfully and then slowly kind of got to a above average level and then just completely collapsed in the last like ah the Jeff Fisher special (laughs) (laughs) alright yeah and the old rope-a-dope since 2012 (laughs) shall we swing on over to uh, another game which actually will have playoff implications as the Cincinnati Bengals (laughs) 7-4 Beat the crap out of my Pittsburgh Steelers. Holy Christ, on a bike. Beat the brakes off them. Oh, my God. 
Um, is, I've never, I haven't actually turned off a Pittsburgh Steelers game um, in the Ooh. entire time that I've been watching them, except for in the third and a half quarter when the Bengals kicked the field goal to make it thirty-four to th- uh, to three, and I was like, I've seen enough. Let's just them, get out of here. I call them the Cincinnati Senegals. Because the Steelers already crashed Dakar on this one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, I take I take absolutely zero pleasure in uh, everything that happened in this game. Um, I am pro life and take no pleasure in reporting this. <laughs> but, um, but Ben Roethlisberger is facing the death penalty for his performance in this game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> horrible underthrow to Chase Claypool immediately out of the gate. Put the his, his final stats don't look that bad, but I mean, the, if you see, watch this the is, game, yeah. See, this is where like box score doesn't mean shit because twenty-four to forty-one, two sixty-three yards, a touchdown, and, and two interceptions. Like, I will say one thing: I saw this game coming um, from last Monday, I think it was when. Fox, ESPN, and literally every Pittsburgh-based media personnel uh, brought up the exact same statistic, which is Ben Roethlisberger hadn't thrown an interception since week five, and he was the only quarterback in the entire league with a minimum of 50 passes over that streak to not throw an interception. And as soon as I saw all of those stats come out, I was like... Ben's throwing an interception immediately out the gate here, isn't he? And he did. Like. I don't know, like, it was, it, it's, like we said, it's such a match-up league because they looked, the offense looked a hell of a lot more functional with nothing else against the Chargers, um, and to come away and for this to happen is just like an unmitigated catastrophe. But, I don't know, it's it's not the end of the season for the Steelers at 5-5-1 five, five because the AFC North has been like that, like, the Bengals absolutely crushed the Steelers, and the Ravens and got whipped by the Browns who lost to the Steelers and the Ravens in pretty poor fashion. Yeah. So like, to me, I do think I would probably still back the Ravens as the best team in the FC North marginally. But after that, it's just a bit of a, a cat fight, frankly. It is. I mean, it is a, a complete clusterfuck. Um, the whole division is over 500 and based off of games against each other, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but then they'll go to they'll go and play a team from another division and end up looking real competent. So, like, who the fuck? Who knows at this point? One thing that we do know coming out of the game is that TJ Watt has entered the COVID list and is doubtful for the game against the Ravens. Um, but you know, and on the Bengals side, I mean, uh, Joe Mixon, a guy that I absolutely despise for personal reasons, uh, absolutely popped off in this game, and. You know, I guess I fully get it now when um, I have to watch, well, like, I have to watch the comments flood in from Ed and Emma talking about, like, oh, I can't believe Aaron Rodgers is playing so well. I hate watching Aaron Rodgers. Because usually we play pretty well against Joe Mixon. Um, <laughs> but now I fully get it. I I I hated every single moment of watching that guy run all over us, but he played damn well. T. Higgins also had an unbelievable day. Could not stop him for 
uh, for a, well... A penny and a whistle. Yeah, we'll yeah, go with exactly. that. But yeah, the Bengals played real well, beat the crap out of the Steelers, and in typical AFC North fashion, I assume that we'll probably see the Bengals lose in the next game and the Steelers win comfortably, because who the fuck knows what the AFC North is and who the fuck knows what any of these teams are, but well done, Bengals. I have been sufficiently humbled. humbled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he had a nice slice of leftover Thanksgiving humbled pie. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I think their playoff hopes are still, you know, barely kindling, but the kind of from here out for the Steelers, it, it's a bit dicey. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Steelers came into the season with the uh, hardest schedule based off of the strength of schedule thing, and the only reason why it was even close to everyone is because it was based on the Bengals when they went like three and thirteen last year because Burrow got hurt. So uh, it almost doesn't really matter what happens to the Steelers down the stretch. Now the only thing that's really at stake is the um, is the Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season thing because I don't think they're gonna do any damage in the playoffs really. So no, God no. So I mean the the rest of the record for the Steelers from here out is home to Ravens. At Vikings, mm-hmm. home to Titans, uh-huh. at Chiefs, home to Browns, at oh. Ravens. Expect them to win out down the stretch then. Literally oh, every oh, single oh, one of those yeah. teams is currently sat in the playoff picture right now, and they were in the playoffs last year. God, fuck. <laughs> the, uh, what, that Steelers-Vikings game, that is the sickos game of the season. I'm looking forward to that one. I don't Anything know, I mean, the Mason Rudolph Steelers versus the uh, Jared Goff torn Labrum Lions. Oh, that was that was up there. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Like the, oh, or two know. of the it, most detestable quarterbacks in the league, Ben Roethlisberger versus Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that was also a sickos a little, game. That's a little, un, like, you know, Deshaun Watson is still in the league. Uh, I feel like he's... Is he? exempt from this conversation because, like, we know for certain that he's, like, the absolute worst. Well, I mean, there must be a more contemptible... Well. The, the, NFL, the NFL is based off of... Back, your, the NFL is based off of the ideology of you're only as good as your last game, and De- uh, Deshaun Watson hasn't played this year, so I don't give a flying fuck what he does. I'm not including him in any in any of this season's <laughs> rankings. Fuck that guy. Guess what, Deshaun? You're not invited. <laughs> but uh yeah. Bengals comfortably take the dub here. And um I get no pleasure out of it and let's move on. I think it'd be weird if you did. <laughs> That's true. And Roethlisberger kinda looks like tall Danny DeVito. No, that's not no. true at all. That's his head. He's got a, he's got a tall head, and Danny DeVito has a short head. Yeah, Danny DeVito <laughs> looks like uh, an orange that you've only peeled halfway and also slapped a toupee on. Danny Rob- DeVito looks like if you took like the the JPEG of the monk brewing beer off the front of a Trappist ale. And then reduced it by scale vertically by fifty percent. That's a picture of Ben in like a cap, like, and it looks like he's bald. And it reminds me of that clip from Always Sunny where Frank is like 
I just want to be pure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's move on because we got we got the rest of the Sunday early window, and I think that we oh, adopt God. the one question format because none yeah. of these games matter in any way, shape, or form. And we start with the Dolphins thirty-three, Carolina Panthers ten. Does anyone have a question about this game in the slightest? Yeah, the I Dolphins. Do. The Dolphins back. No. Yeah. Fucking they like, look great. How, how many have they won in a row? Four? Uh, they've won four. They beat the Texans, the Ravens. That was a good game from their defense, especially. Uh, the Jets on the road and now the Panthers. Well, uh, but this is also just after they lost the to the Jags and Falcons and got the doors blown off them by the Bills for the second time this year. So, no. I mean... It looks a little bit better for the organization than one in seven. That I, yeah, I mean that is that is true. It looks a hell of a lot better than second overall pick without any first round picks. Especially Jalen Waddles played well. He has. He's he's really picked up down the stretch. And to be fair, Tua looks a hell of a lot more composed with him in there. Um, Rather weirdly bad day for the Panthers' defense, but I mean, when you're on the field for what feels like 65 minutes in a 60-minute game, it's kind yeah, of Cam Newton is ugh. is toast. Is toast. Sadly, they'll always have that. They'll always have that uh, Cardinals game, but that might be it. <laughs> I think. Back. I think that the Dolphins uh, are gonna finish ten and seven. You think that they're going to win? Holy out the crap! Oh my goodness! I, okay. well, actually, just looking at their schedule, they have yeah. they've got Giants. the Giants at home, Jets at home, Saints on the road, Titans on the road, Patriots at home. Patriots is you know if the if the if the, if the Dolphins, Dolphins make nine and eight, then Sam, I'll buy you a beer. If they, <laughs> if they win nine in a row after losing seven of their first eight, that's got to be a record. Well, obviously it's a record, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's preposterous. Crazy. All right. Anyway, let's, yeah, let's get out of here. Um, we now turn to the. Oh, wait, we've still got fucking. Jets 21, <laughs> Texans 14. Zach Wilson was back through an absolutely fun. abysmal interception. <laughs> let's move on. What that little shovel pass? The shovel pass yeah, to yeah. fucking no one. Yeah, what a joke. The only thing I, I observation I would make is um, all of the receivers that came off the board quite early have all looked fairly decent. Waddle, Devonta Smith, Kadarius Tony, Bateman has been um, on IR, and I think in the Ravens' offense, receivers do a bit of a different job. Yeah, and then Elijah and Rondale, the Moore brothers. And then uh, three, um, I'm going to call them busts already, <laughs> Dwayne Eskridge <laughs> of the Seahawks, Tutu yeah. Atwell of the Rams, and Terrace Marshall of the Panthers, who was a healthy scratch. So we'll see how that goes. But the big ones are doing they're doing a nice job there. And Elijah Moore, I like I like his chances. We'll see about for the young man, Zach Wilson. Interesting. All right. Sam, any no, questions at all? Fun. Yeah. Um, I have no further questions. Cool. Let's move on to the Falcons twenty-one, Jacksonville fourteen, and uh, that's that's all I have to say about this game. Apart Falcons, from Cordero Patterson makes this 
Oh, Cornell Patterson <laughs> makes the Falcons often score points now. Yeah, this cool. is just a, like some kind of mech built around Cordero Patterson's person. And uh, uh, you yeah, know, I'll the, the Jaguars' defense has been pretty good over the last few weeks. So, you know, maybe maybe the Falcons' offense can score more than zero points on a regular basis, like we were forced to watch against New England. Um, but. It doesn't inspire joy. That's not inspiring joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like with most teams, um, you've at least gathered a little bit more understanding about them, or maybe they've gathered a bit more understanding about how yeah, they me. will work, oh. or they've evolved in some way, be it backwards or forwards. The Falcons have learned in week one that Cordell Patterson is a guy that they should use on the offense. And they have literally not learned anything else since. They've learned nothing. When he doesn't play, they don't do anything. When he does play, they do something. And they're still boring. Get out, Falcons. Remember Kyle Pitts? I remember Kyle Pitts. He flashed so much. Let's think about about Matt Ryan. Let's see, shall we? (laughs) I don't know. I also don't know, but I'm prepared to leave this team in the dirt. Next season is going to be perjured for the Falcons. They are, they are, I had a look at the cap space and uh, they are in cap hell, but minus any of the players that would have put them in cap hell. Like, (laughs) there is, there is zero. There is zero talent on this team apart from Kyle Pitts. Yeah, what's the what's, where the fuck is all that money going to? What's Matt Ryan's contract like? Ridiculous. It's it's terrible. How how well, long? It's what you pay how much a is he there for? Allegedly. Yeah, I mean, it's what you pay a quarterback that leads you to a Super Bowl, but like, oh, what? <laughs> Have they found one? Was he offensive player of the year that year or MVP? Um, unsure. I mean, so no, no, yeah, he was 2016 MVP and offensive player of the year. Which shouldn't be allowed, but you know what? The worst part is, is that right now his contract is only providing a cap hit of 27 million dollars. I've just looked this up on uh, on uh, hmm. over the cap or. Whatever fucking cap website. Do you want to know what his what his contract cap hit is next year? Fifty eight million. It's it's forty eight million dollars. For a thirty seven year old Matt Ryan. Well, we'll we'll see whether they They, just they have a potential out before that contract two years kicks in, where they would have to pay a cap hit of forty eight and forty three million dollars if they opted out. At the end of this season, there is forty million dollars of dead cap room assigned to it. They they have quite lit, and that's just for one year. There's still the fifteen million <laughs> for next year, uh, for the year after. They're about to cost themselves fifty five million dollars either way on the cap. There is no getting out of that. They've they've brutally fucked it, and unfortunately, Matt Ryan's going to get lumped in with this. I want to know who the fucking Misty Caviar Fingers will be next year, because if it's not Matt Ryan, then who the fuck is it? <laughs> oh my goodness uh, gracious. 
if you go on um, Matt Ryan's Wikipedia article, there's a picture of the jersey that he wore in Super Bowl Fifty One at the Pro Fo- hanging up at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like some horrible art, like medieval torture <laughs> artifact, <laughs> or like the spacesuit of a cosmonaut who never quite made it back to Earth alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Born thing stuff. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to the late window on Sunday when where there were actual games. The games happened. Um, and we're going to start with one that was pretty much over by like halfway through the fourth quarter, but still hung around. We're going to talk about the six and five Denver Broncos beating the uh, six and five six LA and Chargers. Five. <laughs> 28 to 13. Um, I I really don't understand the Chargers as a as a team right now because I keep thinking in my head, oh, the Chargers are good. Chargery. And then I remember <laughs> that maybe they're not. Maybe they're not that very good. Um ew. despite the fact they only scored thirteen points, I didn't think Justin Herbert he had a couple of interceptions, I think one of which was picked. Uh one of which was tipped. Yeah, and, uh, taken back to the house, but I mean, they just—it feels like they don't have any playmakers right now. If that makes sense, which which is, is weird because Keenan they... Allen, Mike uh, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler are on this team, and they're all healthy and they're all playing. Mike Williams hasn't made a play since that Cleveland game. It feels like yeah, but Mike Williams does tend to come on a bit at the end of the year. Like I remember that Chiefs game, but he had a great game like, in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I don't know when 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 an offense is incorporating Jared Cook that much in 2021. You know it's just going to be a bit stodgy, and the Broncos' defense is rounding into form, which is keeping them in the AFC West race. Uh, we saw Drew Locke in this game, which was I felt pretty aggrieved about having to do that. Um, <laughs> about writing a letter, but uh, eventually opted against it because Teddy did come back in, and he he just he does just about enough, right? And he's got the weapons. So they're like the they're they're very milk toast for a half decent team of the Broncos. Yeah. Whereas the Chargers are incredibly mercurial for a half decent team. Um, one thing that I do like about the Broncos, and uh, it's a point that I think everyone's pretty much touched on, is that Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are very good for a team that maybe isn't so good. Um, I mean, they, they, they won out in this one. They hung around and what have you. But, like, when you look at the Broncos' offensive production, it's pretty much always just Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And they manage them incredibly well as well. You don't you don't see either of them and think, oh, I, I wish that they had the other one in in this particular position. And you also don't think, oh, they're overusing them. They're, not over, they're like, overworking Javante Williams, the rookie. I don't. Know. I don't think. I don't think people like Melvin Gordon very much. Typically, not really. But like, he's he's doing well for the Broncos. I'm, He'll do a job. He'll do a job. He's doing a pretty good job, to be honest. I, they they have a running back one and one point one here. Pat Sertan had two both of the picks in this game for the Broncos. He's been a great pick. Like, if not for Micah Parsons, he'd probably be right in there for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Broncos feel like they're just waiting for that 
they're just waiting for the spark, you know, to really get the fire going in a, in the shape of a quarterback who you'd have to assume <laughs> they will be absolutely herring after um, this summer. We'll see whether they get it because I think outside of the quarterback, they have built a pretty decent team. Especially when you consider that they're doing this while being very banged up. Yeah. They're one of the more banged up teams in the league, like outside of like Tennessee. Um, yeah. And, you know, Patrick, Jerry Judy, and Colton Sutton, Noah Fan, um, uh, Albert Ogbuagbanem. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, no, I think, um, I think they are a project that, you know, they're a pot that needs a stir. Yeah, they're they're just simmering away at the moment. They could also, I'm, I must admit, they could definitely like, also they could benefit from a coaching change. Like Vic Fangio is yeah. sucking Fangio could... all of the excitement out of what could be a very well constructed skill position roster. I probably feel a bit upset that Fangio can't be defensive coordinator because their defense really stifled the Chargers' offense. I mean, yeah. the, the the other team who looked really good against. A pretty decent defense in Pittsburgh, so they probably wish that they could just ask him to take a pay cut, but well, it doesn't really happen, I, does it? I will just mildly lament the point about a pretty decent defense in Pittsburgh because I mean it was it was the defense, but minus any of the teeth, yeah, that the Chargers faced. Yeah, that is true, but I, I do think um, neither of these teams are. The Chargers is probably a bit more exciting because you have the idea that if they got to the playoffs, they could do some damage. But I don't know. At this point, I'm starting to starting to to lose faith a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Um, next, we turn our attention to the six and five San Francisco 49ers. 34 to 26 winners over the Minnesota Vikings fall back below 500. After getting over 500 for the first time this year. And uh, this was a good game. This one went all the way down to the wire. Um, and I must say it was it was the sort of... It was the Cowboys and Raiders palate, uh, palate cleanser to a stinky early window. Um, it was a slug. It was a proper slug fest. Yeah. Like they were just exchanging like big hits. Yeah. Um, what was interesting to me is in this game, Debo Samuel didn't have any receiving yards, but he had two touchdowns on the ground. They're just using him like they're using Cordero Patterson in Atlanta. They're just using him as a running back. And that, to me, is unreal because he's a brilliant wide receiver as well. Like, he, he got hurt uh, in this game. He's not... going to miss a couple of weeks. Do, do we know, like, why injury was it? Uh, so he's got a groin injury and he'll probably miss a couple weeks, like one to two weeks, but he'll definitely miss at least one. So I don't know exactly how bad how, how badly that could affect the Niners season being on the like in the cusp of the playoff race. Like they're in at the moment, but I mean, there, there's really a lot could. of teams waiting for them to slip up, and without Debo. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Their their offense might be a bit more sane. Uh, Brendan Ayuk standing in this offense has made a miraculous recovery because he was barely involved at the start of the year. Um, but he's featured quite heavily in this game. Mm-hmm. Eli Mitchell came back in and, and ran the ball pretty well. Um, the Vikings... It's hard to say, like, quite how they managed to... Stay in this game that long 
like it it it, it defies explanation. Like the twenty twenty one Vikings defy explanation, you know. Like the Niners outgained them by a hundred yards, the Niners won the turnover battle, they had more first downs. They had thirty seven minutes more than time of possession. Um but the Vikings also kind of felt like they were dangerous every time they got the ball. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a stretch in this game where it just got away from them. The The Niners scored a touchdown with 18 seconds left in the second quarter. And then they scored two um, within four minutes of the start of the third quarter. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's 28 to 14. <laughs> and the Vikings still haven't uh, somehow managed to make their way back into this as well. They had um, a huge... Uh, Run back from Longwood. Yeah, they uh, they lost Dalvin Cook, but it ended up being a little bit less serious than it could have been. So it was feared that he may have torn his labrum, which would have been quite a serious looking injury. But he he's dislocated his shoulder and is now considered uh, week to week. So he may still end up missing time. But with the way that he went down in that exact position on how it happened. That's him. He got off real lightly there. Yeah, definitely. It looked like a really nasty one on on first viewing, um, mm. but you know they've played games this season without Dalvin Cook to a fairly successful degree with Alex Madison standing in. Um, Adam Thielen had a really good game. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a few big plays. I mean. Those two really take it in turns. I think it's been Jefferson's focus for the last month or so, but in the earlier going, it was really feeling. Yeah, and they will keep them. It will keep them in the running right till the end. Here. I think at this point, you know, three games back, the division is probably gone for the Vikings, um, barring a collapse from the Packers. Uh, so they're probably playing for the wild card. They feel like a wild card team in the most literal sense because <laughs> <laughs> they are. A total wild card of a professional football outfit. I don't know what's going to happen at any point. Yeah, I mean, um, right now they're currently level with the Washington football team at five and six. Which uh, to say that we've been spending all year talking about how the AFC is like blown wide open, but nobody feels good enough to make that wild card. The NFC is currently looking at a team with a losing record being the AFC, a wild card. The AFC is open <laughs> at the top. The NFC is open for the wild cards, I would say. And the down the straight, the Vikings are at the Lions. That game against the Steelers, at the Bears, home versus the Rams, at the Packers, and another one, home versus the Bears. So you'd think, even without Dalvin Cook, they should certainly win the Lions game. Probably, but probably should win both the Bears games. Probably should win the Steelers games, but I'm not going to bet on this team. I would, if I was a betting man, I would be terrified of wagering on this team <laughs> <laughs> i think i agree on that front um and let's turn our attention now to the final one of the sunday late window with the green bay packers yeah. nine and three on the year beat the la rams in a very very hotly contested nfc juggernaut match uh 36 to 28 the final score aaron Rodgers 307 yards two touchdowns also rushed for one as well uh, Matthew Stafford, three touchdowns and an interception. And uh, ooh, OBJ getting his first play in a Rams uniform on a pretty deep touchdown. 
and still comes out on the losing end. Welcome back to uh, losing <laughs> football, Odell. Uh, <laughs> Owen two since he signed. Owen three since Von Miller signed. Um, this game wasn't really as I know you're watching this game as well. You had an eye on this game as well, Tom. But did did you think this game was as close as the final score reflected? I kind of thought the Packers were probably the better team throughout. Really, yeah, I thought that um, the Packers were. Uh, they did more than enough to win this game, um, and the scoreline probably could have been more comfortable. But the way that the Rams like came back into it late on um, and were in with a real chance as well of of maybe even taking an equaliser on uh, well late in the fourth quarter. That's were, such a that, you know was at potential. the end of the game when they ran on third down. That yeah. was bizarre, wasn't it? It was. That was absolutely weird. Um, I don't know what was going through Sean McVay's mind on that one, but I think one key storyline from this game is um, like what what going all in can look like uh, because the Rams have obviously gone out and got Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham. You know they've not really glued as a team perhaps the Packers in this game had some contributions from guys they picked up but it was Randall Cobb having almost 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half Russell Douglas having a pick six and a late fast breakup I mean he got burnt on that Odell Beckham touchdown because once you were uh, once a guy jumps a route like that I was reading about it, once a guy jumps a route like that he's super susceptible for the slant and go route and uh, he got caught <laughs> but um you know he, he did make that play and obviously he made the play in the Arizona game as well and um, Corey Bohorquez won the battle of the all-world punters in this one. He had a nice, well, the Cooper Cup inexplicably let roll down to the one. So, yeah, I think for why, the Packers... Why is Cooper Cup returning punts, by the way? Because they, the other guy fumbled as well, so they clearly don't have a guy that they trust. But like the <laughs> well, Packers said they... Randall Cobb returned a punt in this game, and he muffed it. <laughs> didn't they draft Tutu Atwell specifically to be a return yeah. man, yeah. though? Isn't, is he injured? He must be injured. Fucking... God knows. So is it really worth using like the most valuable guy on your offense? I don't think it is, but they're kind of insane at times, aren't they? The Rams. Um, I, what was interesting in this game was I thought the Packers' offensive line, which was missing, you know, back to Yari Elton Jenkins and their starting center Josh Myers, um, they held up pretty well against Donald and Von Miller, and it helps because AJ Dillon is just a bit of a battering ram. Like, yeah, they they he ran the ball twenty times in this game, and he only got like 69 yards but i think he just he when when even when the run game is not like popping off just grinding a team down like that is is going to help a lot down the stretch here for the packers it's it's actually it's mildly interesting here because you've 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 talked about aj dillon being a battering ram that's playing behind a bad o line that uh despite only picking it's up not, 69, 69 it's, yards it's, it's a good uh, offensive line. Makes, it's just makes things up. happen because of his ability, but then you've 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 not really mentioned that for Najee Harris, who's playing behind a significantly worse line. I don't line. watch every right. snap Najee Harris takes. I'm just saying. You, I'm saying you've mentioned it for Najee Harris. You've not said anything about AJ Dillon. I've said I've said nice things about AJ Dillon. I've said nice things about yeah. Najee Harris. I certainly haven't said anything mean about Najee Harris because I don't, I don't, I don't harbor hatred like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I think, um, I think Ed and Emma had a go at me last week because I said I didn't really feel much different about the Packers after their loss to the Vikings. But I don't really feel much better. I don't feel much different about them after this win either because 
it still feels like they could play better than they have been playing, but I, I do feel significantly differently about the Rams now. <laughs> like they got they've they've been bullied in the last few games they played. Like the 49ers and the Packers back to back of especially coming out of the bye to just get out physically played like that. And I know you I know they must hate the idea that they're soft, but they they play <laughs> they play a little bit soft. I don't know. They don't they don't they didn't look up for this game from the start and um if they had to come back to Lambeau Field in January, I really don't you know, fancy their chances. You know what's mildly interesting is that um the Rams run defence has been uh real shaky uh at points. And their next games over the stretch, just listen to the running backs that they will have to face and tell me which ones you believe the Rams' defense in its current state will stop. James Robinson on the Jags, which fair enough. Yeah. Is, if they don't stop that. If they don't stop they James don't. Robinson on the Jags. I mean, James Robinson is a great running back, but the Jags' offense is appalling. But it'd be, I think that, that one's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the Cardinals will potentially be getting Kyler Murray back in time for that game, but they're going to have to face James Conner, who has been uh, real good at, at basically just being a big bruising power back. Again, powerful nice running back. Change of scenery. Um, they've played the Seahawks, but the Seahawks are soft and, and done. Uh, but then they get... They we'll get, talk about that later. We'll talk about that one in a, uh, in a moment. Um they get the Vikings, who may potentially get Delvin Cook back. So that's another hard-nosed running back. They get you, the Ravens. Alexander Matheson's been... Well, yeah, exactly. They get the Ravens, and then they get the 49ers with, like, Eli Mitchell. So they're, they're basically going to have to face a tough running back in pretty much every game except the Seahawks game. And frankly, their run defense is making every running back they play a bit tough. Like, you know, they just they just don't scream team that is really cohesive and is really going to make a coordinated push now. And I think if 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 it all went tits up for the Rams, I mean, they've got like Von Miller in there, they've got Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham. Shit could hit the fan pretty fast for the Rams, and yep. I would, I would love to see that. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> After we mentioned all these premier running backs, can we have five kind of equally glowing statements for Najee Harris just to? Even all right, uh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, um, no, he's a, he's a wonderful young man. Hang on, <laughs> just all I'm saying is, is that when I was making the exact point that. Max has just made about AJ Dillon. I did kind of get the argument of yeah, but he's not made any specific spl- uh, splash plays. And then I got mentioned Eli Mitchell being like uh, miles better than him. But then when it comes to mentioning the Wait, Packers, alter- and, and then and then and then the moment that we bring up the Packers, who now have this bruising. Running back who makes shit happen because he's impossible to tackle, and the O line has been playing, uh, well, is hurt. Not even that they're bad, just that they're hurt. We're now suddenly getting, oh, but AJ Dillon makes all these things happen, and he's like, well, fucking, where, where, where was, where was this? Harris coming from? All I'm saying is, 
all, all, all I'm saying, your fan base in the world. All I'm saying is, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't go shitting on one guy and then bring up someone for doing the oh, exact no. same thing. <laughs> I've never shat on Najee Harris. <laughs> I rate him highly. Let's move on. <laughs> actually, wait. Does anyone does well, anyone have any who... does anyone have any other points about this Rams Packers game? Yeah, Duro Henderson's a great running back, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones had uh, ten carries for twenty three yards. Is he is he back? Was uh, he playing hurt or what? They weren't. They were using him sparingly. He's okay. playing through that MCL sprain, which kind of looked like it was going to be worse than an injury that he missed one week from. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see what they use him. They didn't use him in the passing game like barely at all. So we'll see what happens um, after the bye. Cool. Um, all right, we turn our attention now to Sunday night, where, uh, as we've already alluded to, the Browns lost to the Baltimore Ravens, who climbed to eight and three. They are sitting on the top of the pile in the AFC. Bizarrely, the Browns <laughs> six and six, and uh, this this was one of the weirdest games. Specifically, this had one of the weirdest two minute stretches that I've ever seen out of two teams above five hundred. At the <laughs> end of the second quarter, the, there was five turnovers. Was it? It seemed something like that. Yeah, the Ravens. Lamar Jackson on the day throws four interceptions and a touchdown. Um, the Browns had a big fumble out of Jarvis Landry. And a very funny one. Sec- uh, oh. First or second funniest uh, fumble of the week from Baker. It was it was close comparing it to that Zach Wilson one. Yeah. Um, actually, to be fair, Tua had a pretty funny fumble as well, but Baker's was definitely a, a funny fumble. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Browns for... Hang on, let me just quickly verify this. Uh, for the third week in a row, and um, for the fourth time in five games, failed to score over ten points in a game. It's Ugh, not good. It's that's, not... That is a broken what? offense right now. What's... So, yeah, what, what we were talking about earlier. So, with three minutes and 14 seconds left in the first half, the following sequence unfolded. Browns fumble, Ravens pick, Browns field goal, Ravens pick, Browns fumble, Ravens pick, Browns punt, end of half. Yep. That is the sicko sequence of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you're, you're right. And, and what really stood out to me in this game is that the Browns got Kareem Hunt back and then as a team... With Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in there, ran seventeen times for forty yards. Yeah, and that and that included that two, pit, uh, two attempts from Baker Mayfield for four yards for four, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if if you say that box, if you said like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, fifteen rushes for thirty six yards, you have to think the Browns are going to lose that game because they just can't generate the offense. Um, all of a sudden, their wide receiver call, which earlier in the season looked pretty decent, kind of looks pretty shot, you know? Yeah. Jarvis Andrew had over 100 yards in this game, but then... That was a season Bradley high as well. Two. He 
His previous season high was like 84 yards, I think. He ends up going 111 here. Um, well, I mean, he has been battling injury, but it is, it is also symptomatic of just where this Browns offense is just like, it's pretty sloppy. Yeah. And I think like every part of the offense is stuck in a in a horrible cycle right now like is we've talked about it a lot we don't need to really talk about it much more in this podcast because we can talk about it in the off season when they make a decision about Baker Mayfield like he he had some okay throws in this game that made you think like okay maybe he's getting some accuracy back but he made the mistakes he had 19 incompletions and the fact is that he can't overcome mistakes in the same way that Lamar Jackson can like yeah. Lamar Jackson can just bounce back from throwing three picks in one quarter and make a couple of frankly preposterous plays to Mark Andrews, right? Like yeah, including one the, where he ran about twenty yards backwards from the line. That of t- yeah, that touchdown throw, um, to mention something positive, was probably the most bizarre looking, but one of the most exciting and exhilarating plays of the entire week. And because, it, it wasn't yeah. even the play before that that he threw to Mark Andrews was even more ridiculous. Yeah, well, after, it was, it was about equal. But yeah, it was no. funny afterwards after that play, uh, the Brown Jadavian Clowney throws his helmet on the ground uh, while Miles Garrett walks <laughs> up to Lamar and shakes his hand. <laughs> <laughs> the um, duality of man, I suppose. Like <laughs> both yeah. understandable reactions from that play. <laughs> yeah, Lamar Jackson throws a four, uh, a career high four interceptions, and still comes ahead and and makes the game winning play. And it, it, that is exactly the point that you make here is that. The Ravens will continue to trust Lamar Jackson because they know that he can overcome those mistakes. I mean, you see a guy throw four interceptions, most teams are usually not saying, all right, go out there, and then, like, just keep chucking up, like, 20-yard passes (laughs) to Mark Andrews. Like, that'll be fine. The Ravens have a trust in him, and boy, did it pay off in this game. He had 49 touches in this game. He had 32 pass attempts and 17 carries. Yeah, which is... and he Outrageous. combined had 133, 233 yards, so not effective. Turnover prone, but he makes things happen. And Baker Mayfield is not making thing, good things happen right now. Yeah. So that is the difference. Um, one other final thing is that uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, infamously left the team because his dad oh, yeah. went on to YouTube and was posting videos of Baker Mayfield overthrowing OBJ. Do you think his dad, you think his dad, uh, you think his dad edited those videos? Absolutely not. But <laughs> for, for somehow the second time this season, a Cleveland Bl- uh, Brown star <laughs> a Cleveland Brown star Kareem Hunt Sr., was found on Facebook saying, and I quote, because uh, I've got the I've got the exact quote here, yeah, yeah, yeah. just for anyone that hasn't seen it. Now I'm getting people on my Facebook saying I'm being like OBJ Daddy, and I'm not. I'm stating facts on football, and what we see is he's limping, he's scared to throw the ball, and they know he's hurt. They keep they're going to keep listening, but if people don't like what I'm saying, unfriend me. I'm not jeopardizing nothing. I got a right to speak. I ain't posting no videos. Have a good day, go Browns. Hopefully, think, it's I the it was, it's a better statement than the OBJ dad situation. It was different because it was different because OBJ Senior's post 
was clearly intended to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. Whereas that kind of felt like it was just intended for people who was friends with him, right? Yeah. But, I mean, what did you think that people weren't going <laughs> to notice it? But No, it honestly, did. it is. Well, I mean, what this guy should hook up with Eli Apple's mum because they'd make a great couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Both I mean... Bearing NFL parents. It just, it feels weird that somehow for the second time this season, the Browns have had uh, two players as dads express uh, <laughs> complete dis- disapproval of Baker Mayfield I, still playing for the Browns. Penny, like, that sounds just ludicrous, to be honest, when you say it out I loud. I for every time a Browns player's dad posted on Facebook about Baker Mayfield. I'd have, I'd have two, two pennies. pennies, but it's uh, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's weird <laughs> that it happened twice. <laughs> it, oh. is a, it is a little, a little. The Ravens now on back to back hideous games, one with Tyler Huntley and one with Lamar Jackson. So I don't know. Do they? Yeah, feel coming like, off of a really hideous like game against the, the Dolphins one, as well. Do you feel like they would be the number one seed in the NFC? I, I don't. This is what I'm saying. Like the NFC's. The, the teams at the bottom of the NFC are awful, but the teams at the top are probably better than the teams at the top of the AFC right now. I don't talk yeah. if, buts, and maybes. I speak hard facts around here. Okay, well, there's a hard fact, which is the Seattle Seahawks are finished in 2021. <laughs> yes, they are. The 3-8 three and eight, three and eight Seattle Seahawks lose... 17 to 15 in one of the uglier games uh, that I think I've ever seen against the 5 and 6 Washington football team who somehow get the wild card spot if things <laughs> ended today. 5 and 6. Oh. I call them the 3 atal seal. <laughs> <laughs> um you want to talk about guys avoiding scary injuries. Antonio Gibson had one of the scariest looking uh, knee bends I think I've seen. And he somehow comes in and has the most production that he's had all season. He gets... Yeah, he was just when he When he was deemed fully healthy enough to start, he was sharing the backfield with JD McKissick. Now all of a sudden, he, he, he has his knee bent inwards by a a weirdly horrific tackle in the first quarter and he's still he he becomes the lead back he becomes definitive running back one potential and he pops off crazy just after I trade him as well in fantasy fuck you well, uh, <laughs> well the the um oh, the Seahawks are at a point now where they're so bad that they must be doing it on purpose to get Pete Carroll fired because how can they be this toothless on offense and this soft on defense based on the team like that we've seen in the past like eight, nine years? Like, yeah, it is. A, they are probably the most depressing team to sport simply because they aren't used to being bad. You know, there's like, yeah, if you're a Lions fan, you're obviously depressed, but you're not more depressed right now than normal. Yeah. The, um... so, the the thing with the Seahawks is they seem to have been sleepwalking into this as well. It's not like the Lions have basically stayed at this terrible level and like yeah. 
That was kind of it's fine. The Seahawks, everyone on the outside seems to have seen this all coming. Like, I've not been asking a single question about why the Seahawks team is bad. It's it's obvious. They aren't. They don't have a defense that can stop anything. They stupidly sent away first round picks to the Jets for Jamal Adams, so that they could put him into the into the secondary, so that they could also get another guy that can't cover properly. They have Bobby Wagner, who is currently being wasted by the Seahawks and is the only member of the Legion of Boom left. They don't have a D-line. They don't have an O-line. Their quarterback is not healthy because his finger's still mangled and they rushed him back because they didn't want to watch Geno Smith throw the ball anymore. They don't have a running game. They don't have a running back because Chris Carson wasn't very good anyway, but with him being out, Alex Collins, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer... None of those three are going to get you more than 2.1 yards a carry at most. And they you know didn't hear. what's funny about the Seahawks is they're like a ship where when you plug one leak, another one immediately springs up. Like, Jamal Adams now has two picks on the year as a Seattle Seahawk. Yeah. He has no sacks. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's it, it, it genuinely boggles the mind how they thought that that trade is... I know that they got the guy that they wanted and like he will be good when surrounded by players that can cover for him so he can purely stuff the run because he is a great run support safety. He is a premier run stuffer from the safety position, but he can't cover. What kind of what draft picks did they give up last year for him? Because so, I know they've got... I mean, it might end up being a pretty fucking high draft pick next year. So they gave up a first and a third round pick in 2021 and a 2022 first round pick for Jamal Adams. Mm. Which now means that the Jets have the fourth and fifth overall pick this year. Crazy times. It's... Jamal Adams is, by, is, is not the worst player on the Seahawks, but that trade is kind of it's indicative. It's emblematic of the gaffes. Yeah. Like, constant gaff stream coming out of the front office. <laughs> I feel bad like, I feel bad to use Jamal Adams' trade as like such a definitive point of like why the Seahawks are bad. But like you know how the Rams traded away their first round picks because they can't draft and they wanted to go get guys, but they used them on guys that would be a significant upgrade without hindering their entire team because of the fact that like the guys around them would also be able to do the bits that the guys they got couldn't like they just sent away first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford but that was because they needed a quarterback to make guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Tyler Higbee stand out and they needed Jalen Ramsey to be like their big play guy on defense in the secondary like, that made all. sense. They had talent around him, but they sent the picks away. The Seahawks had zero talent, zero upside in that secondary, and they what still comes, thought, you know what, let's what go get down. Jamal Adams to be... That's what it comes down to, is the Seahawks have, like, no talent. They have Russell Wilson, they have DK Metcalf, and they have, they have Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. Yeah. Tyler Lockett. And 
and those three players cannot sustain an offense. And even DK Metcalf is, he's starting to annoy me because he, his mouth is way too big. And like, he has been like taking slide digs at Russell Wilson. I will say Russell Wilson came back and he made a few of the the best throws that he's made since that injury. Uh, he looks like he's improving week on week, but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter at this point because, like Carol Wilson and um, John Schneider, I think it is in the front office. Um, two out of the three of those guys, if not all three, are not going to be there next year, and it's it's apparent. Oh yeah, yeah. Pete Carroll's dead in the water. Pete Carroll's probably going to be coaching in college next year if he wants to. And to be honest, like I think that would probably be the right sort of final point for him because, like, he's a he is a great people person. He's a great man manager, but the Seahawks are so devoid of talent that his coaching mishaps aren't gonna. They're not. Oh. They're just you know, not going to you know, get bailed out by good coaching because they don't... You know what's really funny? They're not getting what's any. What's really funny about the Seahawks Go on. is that you can almost pinpoint the start of their decline to the exact moment when Pete Carroll got Jordan Peterson in to talk to the team. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's, it's true. <laughs> I might... Do you know what? I might post a stat like on Twitter like, Seahawks prior to the Jordan Peterson talk and afterwards, because he probably just told them to only eat meat, and then they probably almost died like he did. <laughs> How do you expect to win if you don't clean your locker room? Honestly. Yeah, 10th of May, so in the 2018 off-season, uh, they got Jordan Peterson in. So... I mean, if Pete Carroll doesn't want to to coach in college, then he could always release like a a manifesto, <laughs> like a straight to video compilation of football bloopers and call it like Carroll's coaching gaffes. I mean, he could he do, or alternatively, album. he's seventy and he could just retire. No, he could do a Christmas album. <gasps> ah, you know what they could call it? Go on, Pete Carroll's. Abysmal. Well, I'm done here. Yeah, I, I, I have Please nothing. Every last drop of humor out of that. I have nothing else to add on this game, and uh, I think it's about time we talk about the playoff picture because in the AFC, as always, the Ravens in the first seed. Then it's the Patriots, Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, and Chargers. And in the uh, in the NFC, it's the Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers. Cowboys, Rams, 49ers and the Washington football team um, interesting interesting stuff yeah I would be genuinely disappointed if the Vikings didn't kind of sneak in yeah they're fun if nothing else yeah I mean those playoff games that they well that those playoff game that they play in will be incredibly <laughs> interesting to watch right down to the wire yeah, I can't wait to can't wait for it to turn Ed into some kind of tortured Phantom of the Opera style character. You know, Ed uh, traditionally picks the Vikings to be in the Super Bowl every <laughs> single year without fail. At what point do we reckon that the Vikings will break him enough? Um, 
I That's think the real storyline here. If it hasn't already happened, <laughs> it might never happen. Well, that's true. Yeah. All right. As long as he can, you know, as long as his head hits the pillow every night and he can kind of then fall asleep while he looks at a framed picture of Mike Zimmer hugging someone in a fatherly way, then that's enough for him. I mean, that checks out. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, everyone. We'll see you later. You got any closing thoughts? I fucking don't. Let's get out of here. I have one closing thought. A short message to Kirk Cousins. Go on. You're supposed to stand behind the guy who's holding the ball. Marvelous. Alright. Let's get out of here. Bye, everyone.